got a fire. I got a fire burning, burning inside of me. I got a fire. I got a fire burning, burning inside of me. Your presence is my passion. When you capture my gaze, you set me. You're the one, the one that I desire. 
been baptized with that fire tonight. Come on, quick, clap our hands to the Lord and thank him today. Come on, for baptizing us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. So good to see each and every one of you today. Amen. Can we give all of our guests just a great big hand clap? So good to have each and every one of you. I look around, I see Pastor Matt and some from Turning Point. Thank you so much for coming. Could we give all of them just a great big hand clap today? Everybody from Turning Point Life Center, Newcastle. We love and appreciate them. Amen. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer, asking uh, the Lord to have his will and his way throughout the service. How many has come expecting something this weekend? Come on, there's a difference when you just come to church and there's when you just want to come to show up and when you come expecting. When you come expecting, thing changes. There were a lot of people that day when the woman with the issue of blood received her miracle. Everybody else just wanted to see Jesus and be close to him, but she came expecting to receive. And she said, if I can just get there close enough to touch him, something will change. And I believe if we come with that attitude this weekend, God, if I can just get close enough to your presence to touch you, something will change. Can we lift our hands all across this place today? Come on, just begin to get ourselves shut in with Jesus right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Come lift up your voice to him today. Lord, we need you today, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord God, to come into your presence. God, to be close to you, God, to hear your voice. God, I pray, Lord, you touch and bless this service today, God. God, anoint it and direct it, Lord Jesus. God, thank you, Lord God, for the opportunity to have revival services. God, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come together, God, this wonderful Saturday night, God. Lord, one mind and one accord. God, we come, Lord, with anticipation in our hearts. God, knowing and believing that all things are possible. God, we welcome you, Lord, into this place, Jesus. God, if we have any sin in our hearts, I pray, Lord, you forgive us. God, if we said anything, heard anything, thought anything, God, anything, Lord, it wasn't of you. God, forgive us, Lord Jesus. Remove every weight. God, never sin, Lord, we'd be into this place today. God, we come worshiping you, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you, Lord. You know every need, every situation, God. Lord, we know you're more than able, Lord, to do exceedingly, abundantly, God, above all we can think or ask. According to the powers within us, Lord Jesus, 
God, let's release that power tonight. Lord, we thank you tonight. Lord, anoint our musicians and singers. God, they usher us into a time of praise and worship. Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just for a minute turn, shake somebody's hand, wave at them, welcome them out today to our first evening of revival. Amen. Continue to praise and worship with us tonight.
Come on, if we can lift our hands all across this place and close our eyes. Come on, just begin to call on that name of Jesus right now. Come on, he's your hope right now. He's your joy. The very peace that you need in your life. Come on, that's who he is. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, bring peace tonight, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. Come on, you lift up your voice at the same time. Begin to call that name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. The name above all names. That the very mention of his name, every knee should bow, every tongue confess. I'm thankful that we know that name tonight. Amen, amen. Go ahead and return back to your seats. You can be seated just for a moment. For our ushers to begin to make their way up, the only announcement that I am dealing with today is revival continues tomorrow. Amen, because that's what matters right now is revival. And that's what we're going to focus on. Make sure you're here Sunday school at 1030 and 1115 revival. Amen. Before we do our offering, we do have Pastor Matt here. Pastor Matt, would you please stand? Amen. And just address the church. We're thankful for you and all your leadership and all you're doing. Amen. Where would we be tonight? Couldn't even imagine right now. Amen. Thank you so much, Pastor Matt. It is so amazing watching uh, everything on his Facebook page, watching the church in Newcastle be built and the blessings that God has done. Amen. If you ever get a chance, there's a testimony in that. And I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing in Newcastle. Amen. And watching them grow and prosper. Take that offering in your hand tonight. We're going to ask the Lord to touch it and bless it. Amen. Brother Thomas, can you bless the offering for us? Amen, amen. As you begin to march up your offering, we're going to welcome out here Brother Derek and Sister India James. They're going to bless us with the song. We're so thankful for them and their ministry and what they've done for us over the past couple months. So continue to praise and worship with them tonight.
driving and I felt like God gave me this song and I didn't really expect to share it with anyone but I feel like I should share it today so if you guys just worship with me Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord tonight. Let him know, let him know. Come on, we just said it a while ago. He deserves it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with me all over this place tonight? So privileged to, amen, be able to introduce our speaker tonight. But uh, before I do, I want to say just a reminder to everyone. Look at your neighbor and say, next Sunday, Mother's Day. And around here, it's going to be all Mama's Day. All Mama's Day. Sister Laura is going to be uh, addressing our Sunday school class. Uh, and then Sister Emily Lawson is going to be ministering in the evangelistic service next Sunday. So we're excited about, uh, amen, Mother's Day. So uh, we're going to give out a special gift. And uh, it's, it's, not the, it's not the mom with the most kids. Man, I tell you what, it'd be a, it'd be a, but next Sunday, the mom, it doesn't matter her age, the mom that has the most family here, the most family, cousins, aunts, uncle, you get them out here. Uh, it's not just children, but the, the, the mom with the most family next week, we're going to, we're going to give you something special. So uh, give you something to work for. Tonight, we're so thankful for even Brother Chester being with us. It's been a while. Amen. He still looks the same. Uh, looks pretty good. He ages well. But uh, I would say, Pastor Matt, what he told me tonight, but it's uh, we, we, Sister Rex ended a great job putting him up in a hotel downtown there, got it all fixed up, taking care of him. Said it beats that place he stayed in Newcastle with a big tennis shoe in front of it. Or did I say that? Maybe that was me. I mentioned the shoe. Steve offered it, yeah. yeah. Amen. How many's glad to be here tonight? Amen. How many's thankful? Just truly thankful. I am truly thankful. Praise God. Man, we have some service. Last night, I'm looking forward to what the Lord has tonight. Lift your hands all over this place. Come on, I want you to ask God to pour into you tonight. Come on, pour your word, Lord. Pour your word into us, Jesus. God, pour your word into me, Lord God. Let your word, let your spirit, Lord God, resonate, God. Let it, Lord God, do its work, Lord. God, anoint your servant tonight, God, to speak to us, Lord God. We ask you for your favor, Lord God. Bless us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen, amen, amen. Put your hands together tonight, our evangelist, amen, Pastor James Cheshire. Praise the Lord, everyone. You can be seated for a moment. Thank you for standing. Thank you for being here tonight. I count it a high honor to be able to stand in this pulpit this evening and minister to this great congregation Many of you know I am a Purdue fan. I love the whole bunch. Amen. I'm thankful. Um, good to see Brother Matt Purdue, my, my, my great friend, one of my best friends on the planet. That's why there can be so much jokes um, back and forth. But I, uh, I appreciate him for coming up tonight. Um, I've been looking forward to being with you all. I've been looking forward to this for some time now. I've been praying about it. I feel like the Lord's given me... Uh, some direction for this evening, and um, 
being here tonight um, takes me back to evangelizing days. Uh, I remember um, one particular situation I got myself into while I was here or nearby. I think I was at Brother Produce Church. I, um, my wife and I had a Lincoln SUV at the time, and we got out, and I went out to get in the vehicle and come to church, and uh, it, it somehow transformed itself into a lowrider. It was sitting nearly on the ground. And uh, I remember thinking, I, I don't think I remember dropping it low like a lowrider. Um, what happened was the airbags went out on the back and would not air back up, and it looked so bad. Um, and I was so thankful. This brother over here, Brother Denny, is that right? He, he helped us out. I thank God for folks like this that will step up, help the preacher. And I'll never forget that. I recognized you when I come in tonight. And I uh, appreciate uh, that, and, 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 and Brother Purdue, I uh, love these folks. You know, there's, I've got all these Purdue's are now my friend, and uh, I, I tried to figure out, a, you know, because you get a phone call, you just put Purdue on there, and you got several Purdue's in your contact. You don't know who's calling. He reached out to me about revival, and I got his number and got it all figured out, and I'm thinking, I'm going to have to do better in Purdue, so I, I put in there Pope Purdue. So that's... Uh, how much honor I give you, brother. I love this man very much. Appreciate him. Indiana's just got great preachers, don't they? Praise God. A lot of wonderful, excellent preachers. It's funny. Funny thing, I noticed they were putting in new windmills on the way up. Did y'all, did y'all notice that around here? A lot of new windmills from here to there. I figured it's all these great preachers, these long-winded preachers are making, they're making use of it. Praise God. Amen. Not here, though. Not here. It could never be said here or Newcastle. All the other guys, whoever they are, wherever they are tonight. I um, appreciate you all. I want to I say something to you. Um, this Earlier this week, um, many of you may have heard Bishop Parent passed away um, from Auburn Hills, a great, great elder, great man of God, man that I've spent a little bit of time with, but had such a great impact, and Brother Traxel, our mutual friend, our other 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 friend, um, uh, was with him just, I believe, seven to days to ten days before he passed away, and um, he was weak, and you could tell the time was approaching, and Brother Traxel told me, he said he said very weakly, very, very weak in his voice, couldn't understand a lot of what he said, but one of the last things he said to my friend Brother Traxler, he says, you know something? He said, the church is going to be all right. And he said, Stephen, that's what he calls Brother Traxler, said, Stephen, do you know why the church is going to be all right? He said, why, Uncle William? He said, because it's God's church. It's God's church. Not my church. Not your church. It's his church. Praise God. If you got your Bible, let's turn to the book of Psalms 21, 1 through 3. Psalm 24, 1 through 3. The Wilkes coming next week? Okay. It's a secret. You didn't want to tell nobody. I'm sorry. <laughs> like a full circle here. i got everybody mentioning Brother Tracks or Brother Produce here. Um, Psalm 24 and verse number 1, the Bible says, The earth is the Lord's 
Everybody say, the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Verse number three. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? There's little, little doubt that Psalm 24 was a reference to the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone ascended up on high. Christ alone we believe and know. But today, I want to look at this phrasing, and I believe it is a portrait of a life that has been called into discipleship, a life that's been called into a journey to be just like Jesus. We take up our cross and we follow Him. And I think we can fairly compare this way of life as one who would ascent up a mountain. And so I want to preach just a little bit tonight on this subject, appointed for ascent. Appointed for ascent. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. And thank you for being here this evening. I have to confess to you tonight, the last several months I've been drawn to the majesty and the wonder of Mount Everest. In just a couple of weeks, several will invest hours of time and thousands of dollars in an effort to climb and conquer Mount Everest. Hundreds of people around the world travel to the Himalayas every year dreaming of the Everest summit. Weeks are spent getting their gear, training, and waiting for just the right time to go. Most mountaineers attempt to ascend the world's largest peak in May because of the perfect conditions. Because there's a brief window, usually around May 14th, when the temperatures are warmer and the high-altitude winds known as the jet stream have moved away from the mountains. To ascend to the highest peak in the world, it takes a lot more than you think. More patience than you have, more endurance, and even more suffering. And it's surprising to hear, but to climb Mount Everest takes a lot of time. Most estimate that it requires two months a full-time focus to accomplish this. Gordon Janot, Director of Programs at Alpine Ascents International, a Seattle-based expedition company, flew a group of 12 climbers to the Himalayas in late March and doesn't expect to come home until the end of May. The climbers, along with staff members and Sherpa guides, would spend nearly two weeks hiking Mount Everest to get to base camp, which sits at the altitude of around 17,000 feet. They would then spend about two weeks 
doing nothing but adjusting to the altitude and waiting for the right conditions before continuing another four days and reaching another camp and finally ascending to the summit. There's much to be said and a lot that could be talked about and preached about acclamation. You you, you can't just go straight to the top of Mount Everest. They have base camps where you have to spend time and adjust and really allow your body to get strengthened for that level, for that height. You have to go through those lower points to get to the higher point. You go through things to get better and to get stronger. So that the next time that you go through it, you are conditioned for the storm. You're conditioned for the season. You're conditioned for that level. Why? Because that way you'll be able to see better. You'll be able to hear better. You'll be able to feel better. You'll be able to lead better through a difficult season. Now, I know that I go through things in my life. I can admit that I know I go through things in my life, and God is trying to acclimate me. So the next time I'm there, I can be of help to somebody else. Because when you're climbing, when you're focusing on ascent, when you're going to a higher plane, you really can't serve those that are around you if you're suffering and can't get it together yourself. Now I'm going to say some difficult things to you tonight, but it's Bible things. And if it's a Bible thing, I don't mind it being difficult. We stay in the book, we can get as difficult as we want to. I want to stay with the book tonight. And I want to tell you a couple of things that are, that are a little difficult to hear, especially in our current culture. But we as the church, we have to be careful how we handle adversity and how we go through suffering. We've got to keep the right position and we've got to keep the right posture. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Psalm 121 and 1 says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Let me speak a word of faith to this church tonight. You have been called to an upward trajectory and not a downward plummet. He has called you to progression and not digression. He has called you to sanctification, not annihilation. He has called you to ascend and not decline, to go forward and upward, not downward and backwards. If you're in this church, If you're in the church, that means you have been born again. If you've only been born once, you might be a great person, but you ain't in the church. 
You've got to be born again. I said you've got to be born again. That's the second birth. Our, oh boy, I feel like preaching tonight. Our first birth was our natural inheritance. But when we were born again, this is our spiritual birth that comes with a spiritual inheritance. Essentially meaning, I mean, if you look closely at the, the language, the original languages, essentially being born again means to be born from above. Born again, born from... Thank you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 45 says, And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of earth. Earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthy. And as in the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Listen to this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit in corruption. I am thankful tonight. Oh, I want to echo Brother Purdue's testimony. I am thankful tonight that I've been born again. I've been born from above. I've been born of the Spirit. I've been born of God. My home is not here. My mind is on things above. I've been born from above. I'm heading that direction. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I preach to you a little bit tonight? Can I preach to you a little bit tonight? What's in me and everybody else that's been born again, born from above? What's in us is of a climbing trajectory. Born from above, striving to enter the above. Hallelujah. Heaven is his throne, and the earth is his footstool. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Purdue, we're working at his feet, but we're headed toward his throne. I'm just trying to encourage somebody. You've been appointed for ascent. You've been appointed to rise up. You've been appointed for higher. Born from above, striving to enter the above. And eventually what is in us on this earth will escort us from this earth. Now, to a couple of difficult things I must share with you. When we're going through things, it must be bigger than just going through it. You hearing me? It must be deeper than just surviving our way forward. The real difficult question that I come to ask all of you 
is are we growing through it? That's the real hard question for all of us because salvation is free and is a gift, but discipleship is costly. What are we going to do with this trouble? What are we going to do with this storm? Are we just going to get through? Are we just going to go through? Or will we hear the call to grow through? Are we acclimating and becoming stronger in Christ so that we may lead others and ascend as we've been appointed to do? How many times will we have to go through the same type of season and storm until we have grown through? Why do I keep going through this? Because you haven't grown through it just yet. It's not, (laughs) oh, help me tonight. It's not even just about getting prayed through. I'm as Pentecostal as any of you. I believe in folks getting prayed through. Ask Brother Purdue. He's one of my best friends. He'll tell you, I believe in praying people through. I believe in getting a breakthrough in a time of refreshing. And all that's needed. But we've also got to grow through our situations. What do you mean? Once you've prayed through, you need to grow through. And it wouldn't help to grow up a little bit. We can drag you around this altar, pray, speak in tongues, and I hope it happens tonight. But when you walk out there, you got to get your Holy Ghost boots on and grow through some things. When they pick you up off the floor after being knocked out by the Spirit, you got to learn to walk right. You got to learn to talk right. You got to learn to grow. After the refreshing, we got to continue with the pressing. You hear me? Get your refreshing, but use it to do some pressing. Don't backslide and have to do it again the next Sunday. Walk with the Lord. Ascend. Look up. Hallelujah. How many times have, <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. How many times, brother, my friend here, I'm gonna, I guess I'll keep referring to him because he's my friend and he's here. I talk to him a lot. How many times have I said, I didn't sign up for this. Anybody ever said that? Pastors ever said that? Preacher ever said that? I didn't sign up for this. Saints, anybody? Anybody ever said that? I didn't sign up for this. I said that recently. And I felt something come over me and thought, and the, and the voice of the, what I heard and what I perceived was, what did you sign up for? Fair question. What is my expectation? And let's be honest, what is my demand sometimes on how life must treat me? And 
things that must happen to me. What did I sign up for? What is my expectation? Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to just talk about pastors just for a moment. Maybe encourage pastors and maybe help somebody that doesn't understand sometimes what a pastor has to go through. But the calling of God on a pastor, it invites pain. I have found this to be true. One man once said it like this. He said, pastors are present for the most critical events of a person's life. Hatch, match, and dispatch. The pastor's there when the baby is born, but he has to be there when the mama dies. The pastor celebrates with the couple when they move into a new home, and he comforts them when the mortgage company forecloses on that home. The pastor rejoices when people are promoted at work, and he grieves with them when they're unemployed. The pastor is thrilled when parents... The pastor is thrilled with parents when their children wins awards and scholarships and he goes to jail with them when they have to post bail for the wayward kids. He's full of hope when people stand at the altar and say, I do, and he weeps with them when they growl, I quit. Pastors are exposed to the dreams and dreads of people at every stage of life. In the span of one hour, and I've been there, A pastor, your pastor may receive several glowing reports and as many messages about tragedies. The role in the lives of families is an incredible honor, but it produces painful, tremendous, excruciating pressure and overwhelmingly emotional, mental, and sometimes physical pain. I want to share a little something with you tonight that I believe the Spirit gave me a few weeks ago. I know it's not, it's not exciting. You're probably not going to tweet it tonight. But you know we're called into suffering. We're called into suffering, all of us. As simply as I can explain it, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says long-suffering is a fruit of the Spirit. And this never comes without Suffering. Never comes without pain. If you look at it and be reasonable, you can say it actually anticipates it. Suffering's coming, but God wants me to handle my suffering with the right way, with the right mindset. This is the help the Lord gave me a few weeks ago. Look at this, Matthew 26 and 51. It says, and behold, one of them, which was, which was Peter, which were with Jesus, stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck a servant of the high priest and smote him on the ear. Then said Jesus unto him, Put away thy sword into its place, for all that take the sword shall perish by the sword. Verse 53, and this is so powerful. Thinkest thou that I cannot pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scripture be fulfilled that thus it must be? So Jesus gives Peter a little lesson. I've got the power to do much harm. But I choose this path. And this path is required that the scriptures might be fulfilled. The point that I'm making patience and long-suffering is truly tested when power is available. The more power and influence that we have, the more damage we can do to other people. 
The true test of integrity, the true test, the integrity and power and influence, the real test is that we can be under pressure without being a threat to somebody else. They were under pressure. Jesus was under pressure. Peter smote the soldier's ear off and Jesus said, hey, I'm going to heal this ear, but I'm going to tell you something. Don't you think if I wanted to do something, I could. Mm. Praise God. It's not just getting through. We're called to grow through. And our appointment is ascension. Not dissension, ascension. And a climber must become better and acclimate with each storm, with each trial. Bitterness does not belong in our heart. It should never be welcomed. It's possible that bitterness can get into our heart and invade our families and poison those that are around us. Because it roots down and it springs up. That's what it does. And it defiles many. Pain. Everybody say pain. Pain is inevitable. And let me tell you something. Pain will actually be your friend. It's hard to think about it because nobody really likes pain. But pain can be a friend. Pain is inevitable, but how we deal with it and how we respond to it makes the difference. Charles Kingsley said, pain is no evil unless it conquers us. Pain truly isn't the enemy. The inability or unwillingness to face the pain is far greater danger than the pain itself. Now, I'm going to go here for a moment. I want you to help me. But how many has read your Bible about lepers? How many has heard messages about lepers? Leprosy. A lot of great analogies. A lot of great things that we can learn. You know, they're often missing their noses, their fingers, and their ears. But it's not because the flesh rots. This is a common misconception. Various body parts become severely damaged because they don't sense the warning signs of pain to stay away from danger. Dr. Paul Brand worked with lepers in India and the United States in his book entitled The Gift of Pain. Brand tells a story of a four-year-old girl named Tanya. And when her mother brought Tanya to the National Leprosy Hospital in Carville, Louisiana, Dr. Brand immediately noticed that the little girl appeared totally calm as he removed her blood-stained bandages and examined her dislocated ankle. As the doctor gently moved her foot to assess the extent of the damage, Tanya appeared bored. She felt no pain. Her mother explained that she realized Tanya's problem when she was 18 months old. She had left her daughter in the playpen for a few minutes. And when she returned, she saw Tanya painting with large red swirls on the sheets. And she didn't remember giving her any paint. When she got closer, she screamed in horror. Tanya had bitten off the end of her finger and was using it to paint. 
When her mother screamed, the little girl looked up with streaks of blood in her teeth. Tanya suffered from a rare disease called congenial indifference, a condition very similar to leprosy. In every other way, she was a healthy little girl, but she felt no pain at all. Seven years later, Tanya had both legs amputated as well as her fingers. Her elbows were constantly dislocated, and she suffered sepsis from ulcers on her hands and her legs. She had chewed her tongue so badly that it was swollen and lacerated. And years later, her father left her because he says he couldn't handle the stress of raising her, raising this so-called monster is what he called her. Dr. Brand observed monster. She is not. She is only an extreme example of living without pain. Some of you have said you want a pain-free life, but you really don't. Having a pain-free life would be a horrible life to live. I want to be frank with myself, and I want to be frank with you all tonight. The last thing, the last thing our church needs is leprous people that are numb. Did you catch that? The last thing we need is leprous ministers that have just learned to ignore and become numb to things. Oh, God, help us. Too often we think that we have to put on a happy face for the people and for our family and for our children. So we refuse to admit discouragement, disappointment, and disillusionment. We delay pain thinking it will stop if we ignore it. We tell others and ourselves, as long as this is going on, as soon as I can get this over with, as soon as we get this new this, if we get this other person hired or, or this benchmark is achieved, I can slow down and everything will go. No, ignoring the pain makes us numb. It may promise short-term gain of avoiding discomfort, but it has devastating long-term consequences. Jim Morrison in his book, Nobody Gets Out of Here Alive, says, pain is meant to wake us up. People try to hide their pain, but they're wrong. Pain is something to carry. It's like a radio. You feel your strength in the experience of pain. It's all in how you carry it. That's what matters. Pain is a feeling, and your feelings are a part of you. It's your own reality. And I know it might sound crazy, but I stand here tonight. I'm thankful for pain. I'm thankful I can feel. I'm thankful I can cry. I'm thankful I can grieve. I can rejoice with them that rejoice and grieve with them that grieve. Pain is an indicator that something needs to be addressed. Pain is not the issue, it's what's causing the pain. Pain is our friend. And I hate to say it, but I'm just going to say it because it's the Bible. Moving forward as a disciple of Christ brings pain. The higher the heights, the more pain you'll have to endure. 
beautiful views, but painful realities. You know, and sometimes we go through things just so that we can experience the grace of God. Our prayers in Charleston is that we don't just go through, but we grow through. My friend Dr. Jackson recently said that prayer and ministry both are like you're holding on to the hand of heaven and you're holding on to earth and you're just trying not to let go. Leadership and pain are inseparable. We're called to climb and climbing is painful. If you feel pain and you're hurt here tonight, thank God you can still feel. We don't need to become numb. And you got to be careful using the Spirit as some kind of numbing agent. God help us. Ministry numbness is dangerous. And let me just go ahead and say this. A leprous leader is ineffective. There needs to be life in the resurrected saint. There's got to be life in the resurrected preacher. There's got to be life in the saint that's been born again. There's got to be life in the preacher that's been born again. There's tears that need to be shed in leadership. There's joy that needs to be experienced in leadership. There's feeling, Brother Purdue. We can't become lepers. The worst leader in a church or in a family, I'm going to say it out loud, is a leprous leader. Paul told the church at Rome, Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Numb preachers can't weep. And numb preachers can't rejoice. This fake it stuff doesn't work. There's real pain and real sinners that need a real authentic church that ain't afraid to say I'm in pain but I'm still here. I'm going through some things that's causing me pain but I'm still here because I've been born to ascend. I've been born to climb. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, I want to share something with you if I could from my heart. Many of you know about our story in West Virginia in 2015, the Keystone Apostolic Church was destroyed by a landslide. It was a traumatic time for us in our community of believers they literally watched from their homes the church being crushed on live TV like a can by a landslide. Brother Purdue can remember the stress that I was experiencing was unimaginable. Anxiety was through the roof. And I remember the day that the church fell. This is a true story. Bishop Carpenter called me the day the church fell and collapsed. 
And I picked up the phone, and the first thing that he says to me is, James Chesser, this day, I know without a doubt, God called you and your wife to Charleston. Now, I feel the Holy Ghost now saying that, but I didn't feel the Holy Ghost when he said it. I'll be honest with you, I love the bishop. I think he's great. He's the best thing for organization. But at that time, I was thinking, what? What are you talking about? I didn't see it then, but as more time has passed, the more I understood my appointment was not destruction. My appointment was acclamation and assent. My appointment was to lead and shepherd a people in a calling to go upwards and not downwards, to go forward and not backwards. A few years ago, our family, our church family, was blessed by a little angel named Aaliyah. Our outreach team connected with her on Saturday. Her mother's a drug addict. Father's a drug addict. And a couple in our church that reached out to her started picking her up from Sunday school. She lived with her mother when we met her. Her mother would go from house to house, sometimes living in a car, and then sometimes just living on the street. And many nights on the streets, this was Aaliyah's life. So her mother allowed her to stay with Isaac and Michelle at our church. And recently, Isaac and Michelle have become her caretakers. And she stays with them full time and comes to our church. And it's only been a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday, maybe 14 days ago, I received a phone call. Michelle, her caretaker, reached out to me and gave me the terrible news that Aaliyah's dad had overdosed. And she asked me and my wife, what should we do? And at that moment, when we received word of Aaliyah's father's death, do you know what was taking place in that little girl's life on that day? Her caretaker, Isaac, was taking her to her very first softball game. And Michelle asked us, she said, what should we do? When should we tell her? And we instructed her, don't tell her today. She just had her first ball game. Don't ruin that moment. The next day was Sunday, and they explained to her the news, and we gathered around the family, and we prayed, and God moved. And I hugged little Lee in my arms, and we cried together. I had no words to give her, only I, all I had was tears. And we sat there on that altar and we cried and I told her and I looked at her guardian, Brother Isaac. And I felt the Holy Ghost direct me to do this, but I looked at him and I said, Isaac, I know today without a doubt that God put you in this girl's life at this time right now. God sent her Isaac so that he could hold her hand and walk her to her very first softball game I want to tell somebody here tonight that you're made for this moment even if it's an ugly moment even if it's a hard moment you've got an appointment 
to ascend, to climb, to uplift, to be an example of an overcomer. Philippians 3 and 14, Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Somebody say, I press. I'm going to press. I'm going to climb. If I fall, I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to climb. I'm going to press. If I pray through, when I walk out the door, I'm going to press. When I walk through my house tonight, I'm going to press. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to press. It's a pressing way. I'm a climber. I'm almost done. Keep one of these on my keychain normally. I noticed a while back something engraved on it, written on the side. I'm probably sitting waiting on my wife to come out of a store or waiting on one of my children. I didn't have a book or my phone was dead, so I'm just looking at my keys. I noticed something on here. You know what it says on the side of this? Little clip, somebody, what does it say? There we go. Not for climbing. They put it on here. I see and understand immediately that this was a warning. If you ever get into a climbing situation and you need a strong clip, this one's not made for that. It looks nice. But its basic limit is just organizing keys. It's a novelty, really. It's an ornament. And I looked at this, Brother Purdue, recently, and I thought to myself, the enemy of my soul, the deceiver of my soul, would love for me to believe this about me. And I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. I can speak for myself personally. It looks strong. But it's simply not made for the stress of climbing. You don't want to put your life in the strength of this clip. But I know the tactic of the enemy. I said, I know the tactic of the enemy. I know the tactic of the devil. And this may not be made for climbing, but I am. There's some people in this room tonight. The devil wants you to buy into a falseness that we're not made for this mission, that we're not created for this ministry, that the stress and weight is too much, that the material and what we are made of are too weak. But I want you to tell yourself, this clip ain't made for climbing, but this saint is. Somebody say it. I'm made for climbing. I'm made for climbing. I'm in this position right now because God knows I can climb. He knows I'll keep my head up and I'll be, I'll ascend. The music would come. 
Music come, let's lift our hands, let's stretch up our hands. Yashiola Mahashita. In storms, he'll help me grow through. In chaos, he will deliver. In pain, we will climb upward, leading our families, leading our churches to higher heights. Oh, let me tell you, he made your feet like hinds feet, Bishop. He made your feet like hinds feet, First Lady, he made your feet like hinds feet. Saint of God, we're made to climb. Let me tell you, you're not a novelty. You're not some cheap toy. You've been made for this. Let's worship him. Let's take our time here tonight. God have mercy. I feel the spirit of God. Receive it. Receive what you need right where you're at. Receive what you need. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. I'm going to close with this. But look, let's, let's, let's look at Psalm 37, 23 really quickly. Some of you can quote it. It's one of my favorite passages. It said, the steps of a good man. Everybody say, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. What does it say? Though he, that pronoun's assigned to the previous, which is a good man. Though he fall, and I love this phrasing, Brother Purdue. He says, he shall not be utterly cast down. Wait a minute. For the Lord, watch this. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Now I've preached this. Won't you hear me? I preached this message at Myrtle Beach just a couple weeks ago to a group of leaders. And after service, Brother Reinhardt came up to me and he told me about a clip and that's what I have with me now. He actually mailed this to me. This one is not made for climbing. But this one is. And he told me something that I thought was so incredible, so I wanted to add it to the message tonight. He said, I own a couple of climbing grade quality clips. While the novelty ones are not made for climbing, he had a couple of real ones, and he mailed this to me, and I brought it to you tonight. And he told me something that I found amazing about this, Bishop Purdue. <laughs> he said, these things right here, look at this. It don't have not made for climbing on there, but that, that bad boy right there can, can stand up to 5,000 pounds of pressure. 5,000. Now, my little Tennessee brain... I don't know if y'all are thinking this, but I'm thinking, isn't that overdoing it a little bit? I like these documentaries, Sister Purdue. I like these documentaries that they, they climb Mount Everest. And out of all the ones I've seen, I've never seen a guy that weighed that much. 
climbing. Most of them are pretty slender. I mean, it's just math. But why 5,000 pounds? Why would you need that? And this is what I found out. It's built, Bishop Purdue, for one time of 5,000 pounds of pressure. And then it hit me. It's built for the fall. It's built for the plummet. It's one thing to hold you in place. But this is built if you were to come loose and you plummet. You're going to need that 5,000 pounds of pressure. Now I looked this up and this is what I found. They are rated for this much force. Not just static weight, but it's called dynamic weight. For the climber, life and death can be in the strength of one clip. And what I want to speak to you before you come and pray tonight is our God is a great sustainer. He can hold us on the side of the mountain when we've got our fingers clinging. He's that sustainer that'll hold you. But this is what the Lord spoke to me. He's also an upholder for when we come loose and when we plummet and it looks like we're going to be devastated by the fall. But thanks be to God, there's a hand that can hold up to the pressure. And folks may not believe you'll make it. People on your job may not think you'll survive. Your closest friends will say she'll never recover. He'll never make it back. But our God says, watch what my hand can do because I can hold them up. You thought it would destroy you and the devil hoped you would hit rock bottom. And that nothing would be left but God's hand. Somehow, somehow, God's hand. Right before they hit rock bottom. It wasn't your strength. It was His. It wasn't your grip. It was His. It wasn't your effort. It was His. Come to this altar with hands raised. I want to speak this word to you as you're coming. 2 Corinthians 4 and 8 says, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are persecuted. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. And yes, we are cast down, but we are not destroyed. Would there be other climbers that would come? Any visiting ministers and guests and preachers? Let's start praying. Let's start laying hands. Let's start believing. 
I've, I've been appointed. I'm in this rut because God sees me coming out of this rut. I'm in this valley because my appointment is to ascend. And I'm coming out. It will not destroy me. It will not be the end of me. I'm appointed to ascend.